Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the podcast It is always up to speed with Formula One. It is, it's almost Friday. It's basically Friday. Yes, what the hell? It is Friday. Happy weekend, everyone. Happy 2022 F1 car launches, but kind of, sort of, not really. We'll get into that in a second. Mr. Mark Daly here, joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Hamilton. Hammy, how's it going? You ready to get your weekend on? Dude, I feel much better now knowing where our friend of the show, Mr. Matt Clark, is going to be racing next year. He is going to contest two different championships. He's going to be racing for D-Force Racing in the USF Junior Championship, and he's also going to be racing for Future Star Racing in the Formula Regional Americas while also going to college. So sometimes Amazing. I feel like I'm busy, and then I think about what Matt's doing, and I feel a lot better about my about my current situation. But man, how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, not good, man. Not good. You know, you know what? I was all ready to come into the studio tonight, and you know what? I, you you gave me an ultimatum. You were like, "Dude, we got to start like right at nine o'clock," and <laughs> I was just like, "I'm like, you know what? Th- this is more than a podcast. This is like art, and art cannot start promptly at nine. You know, whatever. I'm just kidding. No, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it, it's I, I'm in a bit of a peculiar mood tonight, as you can tell, but uh, I'm excited. Yes. I'm really excited. Not only because it's weekend, but we've had some car launches this week and one of them was actually a real car the others were teasers uh i mean they look great in the livery that uh, that the respective teams uh, launched but only aston martin has revealed their 2022 formula one world championship contender and the armr 22 gave me all sorts of naughty impure thoughts but it looks amazing <laughs> it looks amazing and even though Haas and red bull teased by putting their livery on basically a, a sort of a a modified version of that f1 mock up they still looked uh, looked great i mean i looked at it and this is going to sound almost a little bit silly, but uh, I th- thought when I saw them for the first time, I'm like, now these look like Formula One cars. Yes, and of course they're Formula One cars, but they look to me like a Formula One car should. And I like this past generation of uh, cars, but these ones look amazing. The, the the Aston Martin, the real Aston Martin looks fantastic. And I love the highlight, that sort of yellow highlight that they put in strategic places that really follows the line of the car. I think I think they look fantastic. I can't wait to see more of them. All right, all right. Hold up on the Aston Martin <laughs> flex, shine, love, praise, because we're going to get there. But I, I just wanted to comment quickly on uh, two things. Sure. One is that you referenced the fact that we had to start at 9 p.m. Pacific time. That is a good news story because it means that I am finally back into yes. the studio. It's almost done. It has taken months. There was a leak, a <laughs> it's flood. Good, man. All it of the really work good. is done. It's almost, almost all together. And we'll have a proper streaming solution on my end soon. Everyone will see that. So that's what you're referring to. And the reason we have to start at nine is because 
we actually have a lovely tenant and his bedroom is basically one wall over from my recording studio. And he's one of those folks that gets up at five in the morning to go off to work. So just as a courtesy to him, we're going to start recording a little bit earlier. So that might be helpful for anyone that wants to join the live stream, maybe incidentally, but the comment that you were making about, but, you know, the cars just kind of that we've seen backing oh, please, that up please. for a second. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Did anybody dictate to Michelangelo? He had to start carving like, you know, the, the sculpting at 9 PM, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, yes, Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. I'm, I'm going to back up. You, you take it away before I drag this whole thing down into the mud here. It's it's why people tune in. It's the, the chemistry everyone loves. But uh, <laughs> I think one of the things that we were a little bit unsure of heading into the car reveals this mm. year is exactly what we were going to see. It Typically in a traditional year, in a normal year, we would see something resembling the final product. They, the teams would bring a car and they might hold back a couple of particular aerodynamic components or the wing that they show might not be the final wing or the front wing that they show up with at winter testing might be completely reconfigured. But you'd actually get the car. This year has been a little bit different because what we saw with Haas, and they were fair, they actually marketed this as a livery unveil. Mm -hmm. The car that they brought is either a very, very early developmental model from maybe as far back as a year ago, or it's an actual FIA show car and you hit on something. So Wishback Jumpsta, whose quote or comment was actually verified by moderators on Reddit, came forward earlier this week and he had actually shared something very interesting. And he had shared that when the FIA revealed that 2022 show car last summer, which they then dragged out to every Grand Prix and they were flexing all over on the web, they actually made versions of that available to all of the teams for promotional purposes. So the car that Red Bull revealed this week, which they call the RB18, wasn't the RB18 at all. It was simply a show car that Red Bull had bought from the FIA for promotional purposes mm -hmm. that they had then slathered their livery on and slightly modified the front wing. So when you talk about the Aston Martin, and we'll get to this in a couple of minutes, when you talk about that being the real car, that is the real car and that is the car that they're going to take to the winter shakedown and it's what they're going to take to winter testing so it's kind of unusual so far that we saw a really early developmental model with haas which will have nothing in common with what they roll out at winter testing the red bull will definitely be nothing like that but then the the aston martin was actually the car and it might have only minor changes before we get there but but it's been an exciting week. We are three reveals deep out of 10. We now have all of the dates. And a week and a half from now, we'll have seen something resembling all of the competitors for 2022. Yeah, totally. And um, while we're uh, talking here, I got to pull up. There was a comment uh, in the, the YouTube. It was on the, the, the replay from last week's show. I just want to credit uh, whoever it is that, that left it because they had a question about uh, some of these uh, reveals. And um, so I'll, I'll pull that up. So let, let, let's keep talking. So your take on the on the Aston Martin like I say I think it looks fantastic I mean it's a nice clean looking line from 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 front to back and the thing that really stands out for me is just how clean and how sleek that rear wing looks it really is uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm looking at the picture right now and I'm just really pulled into it right now like uh, that 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 back end of the car because it's very very different from what we've basically what we've been accustomed to like all these years as formula one fans yeah this car is absolute fire and it's nothing it is absolutely nothing like i was expecting because what i was expecting to see from aston martin was something that was probably a near final car but probably resembled the 
2022 FIA show car that they rolled out last summer. Mm -hmm. This car is vastly different than I was expecting them to produce. Their interpretation of the regulations is vastly different than I thought it was going to be, which for me is super exciting because it means that there's potentially going to be real variation from team to team. You look at the side pods on this car, they are extremely shallow. They have huge intakes at the front. They have air slots to allow the engine to cool along the top, which is something you don't see a lot of on modern F1 cars. And then the side pods themselves are almost squared off at the back of the car. So what we saw with the Red Bull and the Haas, which is really, really shallow side pods, mm -hmm. these ones are really deep. So when you look at the car from the top, it looks really, really square. And like you said, this is also the first time that we've seen a near complete rear wing. And it's the first time that we've seen a team execute DRS for that real wing, which is super exciting. And then the other thing that we learned about this car is not only what it's going to look like because it looks tremendous, but we learned something about the mechanical makeup of the car. So one of the things that Aston Martin revealed is that the front suspension on this car was designed entirely in-house. What we also learned and we know is that Mercedes supplies their power unit. They've also opted to buy the Mercedes gearbox, which mm. is a transferable component. So the front suspension is transferable, which means that, hey, you can buy it from another team, but they've decided to make their own front suspension. They're buying the Mercedes power unit that we knew. They're buying the gearbox that we expected, but they're also buying the rear Mercedes suspension as well. So we actually learned a lot about the car today, and I'm incredibly excited. And I think it looks totally, totally amazing. And I can't wait to see it on track. And Same. it looks like the green has been tinted a little bit lighter with a little bit more metallic. I think it's going to look really great in the sun. Yeah, I think last year with the uh, the AMR21, I think that they stayed true to form with like like the very, very, um, I guess, yeah. traditional uh, BRG, but it was just for TV, it came out uh, too dark, right? But I think like, looking at British like British Racing Green yeah. for our American friends. Yes, exactly. British Racing Green. But, uh, you, you know, when you look at this one, it looks lighter. But like you say, I think when we see it on TV, when we see it all season long, I think it's going to look great, in, especially when this thing's doing 200 miles an hour so just uh, before we move on to the other things like i know we get tons of questions about uh, f1 merch and uh, i think that you've got some uh, some updates on that just to confirm because we had a, a message from uh, jacob sigmund that's the one i was uh, thinking about uh so uh jacob's comment was hey guys question for you about williams is it worrying that they have not uh, announced a date for their car reveal he sent this message a week ago after last show so uh anyways we're just uh, catching up now anyways uh, i know in 2019 they weren't prepared uh, and showed up late for testing uh i just hope uh, they are competitive in 2022 and this isn't an actual problem love the show so awesome. Thanks for the comment, uh, Jacob. So um, they did tease today. Uh, they had Nikki and Alex uh, on uh, all over their social media channels, basically reacting to the new car and the new livery and everything like that. Nikki's comment was a recycled comment. He says it looks fresh. And that's what he said last year, which was a bit of a joke, but they both uh, seem pretty impressed with it. It's obviously a big tease because they've confirmed that they are doing their reveal on Tuesday, February 15th. So today, 
day on February 11th. Friday, we get McLaren. We get the weekend off. Get, you know, a couple of days to digest the new cars. Alpha Tauri Monday, Williams Tuesday, Ferrari Thursday. And then on the 18th, a week from today, we get Mercedes. And then we get Alpine on the 21st. And end of the month on the 27th, we get Alfa Romeo. So in uh, the time that uh, Jacob left that message, uh, Williams has uh, announced uh, and confirmed that uh, that launch date. And my one takeaway from that uh, that teaser video that uh, they had out uh, earlier this week was I, I think that it's, uh, you know, from judging from what they say, there's going to be a lot of similar colors to last year, but it sounds like they've added in something new, something different into their, their, their livery package for this year. So looking forward to that. So their, their uh, marketing department has got me hook, line and sinker. So I've basically uh, got that, got a timer running until their reveal next week. <laughs> All right. To, to be fair. Go ahead. Sorry, sir. No, I was just going to say, to be fair as well, you make that comment about the fact that both Albon and Nicholas Latifi are are hinting and they're indicating that they're really excited about this fresh livery. I'm not so sure that they would necessarily have the creative license to say otherwise, even if they didn't like the the livery. But it's yeah, a good boys, sign. that just wasn't and what we were looking for. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey guys, you're going to be so disappointed by what we're rolling out on the 15th. <laughs> Don't even tune in. But I would say. All of these teams now have have a lot to a lot to compete with because not only did the Aston look phenomenal, yeah. the entire presentation and I, I I look over my shoulders if my boss is here. But during my lunch break, I actually watched the forty five minute reveal on YouTube and it was really great. It was actually at the Aston Martin, one of the Aston Martin car factories. It was on the shop floor. It was really well done. It looked fantastic. So they've got a lot to, uh, I guess all of the teams really have a lot to compete with when it comes to Aston Martin and tomorrow, of course. So when you're listening at home, in fact, it's super unfortunate because of timing, but the McLaren reveal is going to be just a couple of hours after we finish here. But before we jump into the agenda, I just wanted to hit on a couple of quick things because a lot of people do ask us about merch and merch is a really fun and exciting part mm-hmm. of the sport. And it's a way that we all feel involved. A couple of new updates for the first time up here in Canada. I actually saw a nice selection of formula one merchandise at the Bay department store. The Get one out. near your house, my friend here in Coquitlam, they've got Ferrari merch. They've got Mercedes merch looks really cool. Uh, somebody revealed this week, and this isn't a secret to anyone outside of the UK, but Costco in the UK actually has a huge F1 merchandise selection. If you want jackets, umbrellas, hoodies, wow. t-shirts, polos, go to the go to Costco in the UK. They have them there. I think they've got 26 of them. They've got a great merch selection. So just looking out for everybody. A couple of other things that we saw this week. The new Aston Martin merch is out. The new Puma Fer- Ferrari Puma Ferrari. Puma Ferrari <laughs> That's merch a mouthful, is out, isn't it? and it looks fantastic. The yeah. new McLaren merch is out. Dropping in just a couple of weeks from now will be a fantastic new Lego Technic McLaren set. It is a gigantic car. There's some photos circulating of Lando and Daniel playing with it. It actually has a functional suspension, so I think a lot of people are going to be cool. excited to add that. And then the final kind of mini update before we get into the show itself, and this is something I think you'll probably be equally as excited about as I am. As reported earlier this week by Deckel Spotters, Philip Morris International, so Marlboro slash Mission Winnow, is out of motorsports. That means no more Philip Morris on Ferrari and no more Philip Morris on Ducati in MotoGP. Mm-hmm. The tobacco giant <clears throat> is out of the sport, finally, and good riddance. 
Yeah, totally. Hey, just before we go into our first break and then come back and get into the uh, into the real meat of the show here, the one thing I, I just wanted to go back and talk about the Aston because the one thing I thought was so cool is if you look you at can't the very stay off that car, I can't I get it. off of that car. I mean, it is. Uh, I, I mean, this was a team that we went all in for last year, and they they completely let us down and made us look foolish because we're like, this is the team to watch in twenty one and. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Uh, anyways, uh, the the one cool detail in the AMR twenty two is right on the very front of the nose cone, and you can see this. It's very nicely highlighted, especially on the Red Bull because they have that uh, that very glossy yellow. But on the Aston, that air intake, rather being like a, an oval or an ellipse, it's actually it's it's a it's a shout out to the heritage of Aston Martin. It is shaped like the grill of a classic, like I say, an Aston Martin DB five or something like that. Think Sean Connor. James Bond, you know, that very classic Aston look. I love it. It looks like a million bucks. Car costs more than a million bucks, uh, obviously, but uh, I, I love details like that. I think it's uh, really cool. Anyways, Mark, time for a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about stuff. So don't go away. <laughs> we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. So, Mark, packed agenda this week. Well, where do you want to start, first of all? We, I guess we could start at I the top. Maybe, That's always a good place, right? Yeah, and I think a quick reminder for everybody at home as well that we are now officially just 39 days yes. out from the first Grand Prix of the season. So between then and now, we have two winter testing sessions, the shakedown in Barcelona. Yeah. We have winter testing in Bahrain. We have the drop of dry, or drive to survive. Oh, wait, that's what it is called, right? DTS, yes. Drive to Survive? I don't know. You, can you tell it's almost Friday? It's that time. So there's a lot it's been to a hell of enjoy a week, and process over the next 39 days. But it's crazy. Four, four podcasts from now, five podcasts from now, we'll be talking about a Grand Prix. But yeah. maybe, and I'll kick this over to you because I know you have a soft spot for Red Bull, but maybe pass it over to you with some Red Bull news. Okay, well, that wasn't the story I was uh, thinking of. Uh, I was still uh, looking down. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll go there in a second. I, I just saw the one thing, uh, because you, you mentioned it nicely, was just actually the... Uh 
the, the preseason testing. I just wanted to remind everybody uh, quickly before we start. Um, so Barcelona uh, shakedown 23rd to the 25th of this month. And like you said, then it's off to Bahrain 10th, 12th of March. So literally just, uh, you know, days from now. So that's exciting. Anyways, now going over to the Red Bull uh, news, and this is going to excite 50% of the audience and enrage the other 50%. So yes, I'm talking Team Lewis versus Team Max. Anyways, as they, well, I mean, Max didn't hint about it. He basically said last year that if he won the world championship, he would rock the number one. And then that's exactly what uh, they've uh, decided to do. The uh, the unveil that they had for the RBA team uh, earlier this week did have the big red one on it. So Max holding uh, true to form. Yeah, you know, is is this a case if you got it flaunted? Is this uh, Max... Uh, you know, throwing this in Lewis's face, or is this basically throwing the gauntlet down right from day one, or is it just um, go, reviving a tradition? I've said before, I like the idea. I like the tradition of the world champion uh, having number one. It's just, uh, I guess, on this uh, th- th- this topic, on this question, is this the perfect time to to to, to do it? Like, I mean, Max's fans are going to love it. Lewis's fans are going to hate it, and everybody else in between is probably either going to be meh or cool, right? Look, 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 look. The world championship was decided. I don't think any of us liked the way by which it was decided. Mm -hmm. But Max Verstappen is the world champion. He has every right to rock number one this season. And I'm happy to see him do it. Again, I don't think he was at fault for the way that the championship was decided. He took advantage of a situation that was presented to him. He won a world title. He can rock number one. Cool. Now, I know I did see some people on Twitter make the comment that, hey, look, you know what, in the spirit of mending fences and in the spirit of repairing relationships, he shouldn't do it. But to 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 not rock number one when you were very open about the fact that this was going to be your intent and you were going to revive the legacy would just play more into the fact that you're putting an asterisk next to your own title, which I don't think anyone has the appetite to do. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to see it. Congratulations. His helmet looks great. His shoes are going to look great. The car is going to look great with the number one on it. Yeah. Hey, so I'm going to go off script here now, uh, maybe go a little bit rogue. Ooh. And no, I'm not going to start ranting about ma- vax mandates and stuff. We're, we're not going to go there. And that's not our jam anyways. We're not going to talk about the trucker convoy. We're not going to talk about the trucker convoys. <laughs> no. Uh, but what I say, I'm going off script here. Lewis finally broke his social media exile self-imposed exile i mean he teased it what was it last weekend a picture was it looked like i didn't really follow it up but it looked like he was at the grand canyon or somewhere like that and i mean i know that he wanted to distance himself he needed that cooling off period but for me i just i i struggled with that whole time uh that uh, that lewis was was quiet he was just doing his own thing taking some time off which i was totally cool with but i never had a doubt that he wouldn't be back i mean what, what were your thoughts were you were you surprised did you ever think he would never come back i mean just l- l- hit me with it brother i, I i'm curious i'm glad he's back but i never <laughs> doubted that he wasn't going to return I think I think maybe it's a good thing for all of us, right? I, yeah. I think ultimately it's it's healthy for all of us to step back. And I think just given where he was, and I think the other thing we have to consider too is it's not just that the outcome of that race was unfortunate and it cost him his eighth title, which would have made him arguably the greatest of all time. It was just that the pressure mounted and mounted and mounted all season. It wasn't that he woke up one day and he went out and the race was unfortunately decided in a manner that was 
in contravention of the rules. It was just, it was an incredibly, incredibly aggressive, uh, I would say, um, choppy, emotional championship the entire season. And that's just how it culminated. And mm-hmm. honestly, maybe if he'd won, he still could have and should have and maybe would have taken that same emotional break from the world, from social media. I don't know. Who knows? I think it's a good thing. He's back. I didn't doubt he was going to stay off of it forever. And I like the way he returned. Hey, guys, I'm back. Cool. Yeah, it was it was kind of uh, understated and just kind of like, yeah, hey, everybody, exactly. what's up? I thought it was the, the the perfect way to kind of come back. You know, it, it wasn't totally it, it wasn't totally incendiary. Agree. I thought it was I thought it was very on brand for for, for Lewis. Hey, uh, before we move on, just a, another bit of Red Bull news. So you know the old saying, everybody loves a winner. Apparently, some people love Red Bull to the tune of uh, five hundred million big ones, and I'm talking dollars here. Uh, not Canadian dollars, American dollars, real dollars. Uh, anyways, Oracle, the big uh, software company, is going to uh, sponsor Red Bull. Five years, $500 million, so obviously $100 million per year. And the, the team's name is going to change, not Red Bull Racing anymore. It's Oracle Red Bull Racing. So a little bit easier to get your mouth around than that monstrosity that is Aston Martin and like 25 other words in a combination that... Um, yeah, I, I'm still just uh, not able to do it. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I think it's cool to see another big, uh, big name in Formula One. Like you said, just now glad or, you know, that uh, there's no more tobacco in there, even in this sort of tactical low viz kind of way that uh, some of them have hung around in recent years. So, yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, this is a, a very interesting deal. And I'll be very honest, I the first four or five times I read this story on Twitter, I, I I had to shake my head a little bit because the the dollars involved just didn't make sense. So let's back that up again. The the reported deal, and this is from the Associated Press, the reported deal is a five year commitment from Oracle to be the principal sponsor at a hundred million dollars per year. So the cumulative value of this deal is half a billion dollars. And crazy, I think this does a couple of things. One, what does this do to the valuation of Formula One teams? We we saw a team that was almost sold for sub $300 million a few mm-hmm. months ago. Now you have a team that's raking in $100 million a year from a single sponsor. And you talk about the budget cap being $140 million. This one sponsor covers almost all of their operating costs when it comes to assembling a car. Of course, it doesn't include their top three executives and their drivers and a lot of the hospitality, but it does cover a big chunk of the team. So what does that do to the valuation of a formula one team if a single sponsor can cover almost all of your operating costs the other consideration too is i think this is a good sponsor for formula one i think a lot of people are quick to throw shade at petroleum companies and oil and gas companies and certainly tobacco companies oracle they're the world's second biggest software company they generate northwards of 40 billion dollars a year in (laughs) revenue northwards of 12 billion dollars in operating income ultimately 100 million dollars out of 14 billion dollars in oi this is nothing and i read an interesting comment (laughs) on i think it was reddit and somebody had made a comment that uh, during the press release of this change uh, Red Bull had commented that when Infinity was their title sponsor in 2013, Infinity had earned about a billion dollars worth of wow. exposure by being the principal sponsor of this team. <clears throat> so I think for Oracle, it's a good move. And I think for a lot of people at home, we're like, Oracle, I know that name. It's a software company. They do business stuff. But that seems to be the way a lot of times with 
Formula One teams that they partner not necessarily with a Walmart that we would go and shop at, but maybe with a Haas, which builds machining equipment for major corporations, or Oracle that provides cloud computing solutions to large corporations. Right, right. But I think this is a crazy deal, and I think it's one of those things that's going to put the economics of Formula One on its head. And I think we're going to see more and more of this. And as much as this might seem like it's a crazy, crazy amount of money now, five years from now, I bet it's going to look like a bargain. Yeah, it'll probably be a, a drop in the hat. And, you know, as much as I would have loved to see the Andrettis in Formula One had that whole, whole deal work out, I, I just can't help but think that somebody had a word with Peter Sauber and his people when th those discussions were going on last summer, totally last agree. fall. And just like... Guys, are you really totally sure that agree. you want to do this? I mean, the, the Andretti's were probably salivating. It's like, if we can get in Formula One at this day and age for this much money with what's coming yes. down the pipe, this yes, is, this yes, is we yes. got to do it. This is be like crazy cheap. And obviously, sadly for them, it didn't work out. But maybe for, for, for Sauber, that the hanging on is the right thing, right? Dude, we, we talked about this at the time. The other Formula One teams couldn't have wanted that deal to go through because if it does, it sets a benchmark for the valuation of all the other exactly. Formula One teams. And I think Lawrence Stroll and I think Total Wolf are sitting here thinking, I think my team has a valuation of closer to a billion dollars once I've built out the factory, the infrastructure. Yep. It's like a, a Formula One team selling for sub $300 million is not good for the other nine teams. Totally. Hey, hey, wait, hang on. Let's just back up here. Did you just sneak in like a couple of weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago, a couple of minutes ago, the new drop for season four of DTS? Why, why is this only registering with me now? I mean, there's so much going on. Do, do we know the, the, the confirmed date that this thing is going to start streaming? I mean, last year well, they did it, launched like Google it. it. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I mean, last year, I think they uh, dropped it, what was it, about a week before the, or, or two weeks before the, uh, the the first race of the season? It, it was something like that. They coincided the, the the launch of season three very well. It was very well timed with the uh, the actual launch of uh, the, the, the season. But while you're looking that up, this is a good story as well this week. Lando Norris has committed to a long-term uh, deal with McLaren. We don't know for how a or for how much, but we know he's going to be there till the end of 2025. And I love this. This is on the race.com. It says, Norris now has the longest known contract of any F1 driver, because as we know, every uh, Formula One driver's contract gets scribbled down on a piece of paper and locked up in a safe, where was it in, in Geneva or Zurich or somewhere like that? Anyways, it gets locked in a Swiss uh, vault or at a, a bank somewhere in Switzerland and nobody knows the terms or the deals or anything like that but look hey great news for 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 Lando uh, he had the following to say, quote, there were opportunities that we knew would be coming up in the future with various teams. And this is a very strong message to put across uh, to everyone of the faith that we have in each other, how strongly I believe in McLaren uh, can still recover and get to the front in the next few years. Even with uh, those opportunities that could arise in one year, two year, three years time is a strong message and definitely wards off all the others. So I'm all good. End quote. And he also said, and this is like a, a, a tasty little nugget. There were little chit chats here and there with uh with uh, with other teams that really pushed him nudged him that uh, direction to get a new uh, deal with uh, McLaren but hey this is a team totally agree with uh, with Lando saying still like a, a lot of room a lot of potential they haven't reached that uh, that ceiling yet the way that they've turned this uh, this thing around got it going in the right uh, direction in a relatively short amount of time I think is great they got a good driver pairing they got solid management they got good people running that team and operating that team and uh you know if you're Lando 
it's i would say it's a no-brainer but you got to look at all your options but it's it's i think it's the perfect place for him to be uh at, at this point in his career yeah i totally agree i think it's the right fit it's the right culture he's been there really since the rebuild happened under zach brown and i think it would have been foolish for him to ultimately sign anywhere else but it would also be foolish not to have a conversation with other people in the market exactly and this is one of those things that makes formula one so interesting relative to what we're conditioned to with the nhl and major league baseball and and probably less so major league soccer because it kind of conforms more to soccer norms but at least with the big four over here the nba nhl major league baseball and the nfl you don't get to talk to another team until your contract has expired that is an absolute no-go there are tampering rules or tampering regulations there mm -hmm. are fines but in formula one it's one of those things where hey i'm under contract for another year with my current yep. team but i'm gonna go and negotiate my next contract with another team for the year after my contract <laughs> expires and we've seen that we saw that obviously with fernando alonso who drove all yep. of the 2006 season with Renault winning a world championship, knowing that he was going to McLaren in 2007. So this is one of those situations that's kind of interesting that he, he's under contract, he's negotiating an extension with McLaren, but he's still actively meeting with other teams and having, like you said, little chit chats in the paddock about what opportunities might exist. So it's unique to the Formula One world. That's for uh, that's for darn sure. You know, uh, I, I often wonder to myself if one of the indications that uh, that Formula One, even though it's, it's obvious obviously a, a huge sports league or a franchise, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I often wonder if we'll see like we do in North America where you have like the, the contract dispute and the holdouts. Uh, you know, it's like so-and-so oh, is not yeah. showing up to mini camp. They're not coming to training camp. They're going to sit out the first couple of games of the year or whatever it might be. But uh, I just don't know. I mean, it, it just, I mean, Formula One is just bizarre when it comes to the, the way that contracts are structured. And ultimately, it seems that sometimes they're not even worth the paper that they're printed on and just all the, the, the exactly. machinations and all these things that kind of go uh, on behind the scenes. Like that, that perfect well, example you just made uh, about Nando and that, uh, that whole saga that uh, took him from Renault to McLaren way back when and think even just recently about the sergio perez contract he signs that really <laughs> yeah, great, great three-year deal with force india yeah. it's basically torn up after a year and a half and he's desperately trying to find a ride with another team and ultimately ends up with red bull but you're right like these these contracts they're almost like personal services contracts between the sure. individual yeah. and the team owner there's no collective bargaining agreement there's no union to protect these guys to your point they're worth the paper that they're written on. And if you can, if you can live out the, the valuation, the term of that deal, great. But oftentimes that doesn't happen in Formula One. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ultimately it worked out pretty good for Checo, but most of the time it it doesn't. I mean, uh, look at uh, Antonio Giovinazzi. I mean, he's been a little bit salty about the way that uh, he got pushed out at Alpha, you know, in, in yeah. favor of, uh, well, I mean, both those drivers, I mean, Kimi retired and uh, Antonio uh, just uh, didn't, what wasn't an option for them. And in comes Valtteri and in comes uh, Guan Yu Zhu and uh, new day, new drivers, new everything over at Alpha. Anyways, time to take a quick break uh, for a short message from our sponsor. So guys, don't go away. We'll be back in uh, just a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And did I give you enough time to actually find an answer? You, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, give, I, you, I'll I, I, give you a partial answer. Okay. I'll give you a partial answer. So here's what we know so far. Okay. Drive to Survive Season 1 was released on the 8th of March, 2019, which was, by the way, an eternity ago. was God, released on the 8th of March, like 2019, it, right? and the season began on the 17th. Drive to Survive Season 2 dropped on the 28th of February, 2020, and the season was supposed to start on March 15th. Of course, it got delayed. Yeah, right, so of course. So you look at these two, it's about seven to 10 days, seven to 14 days. Now, season three dropped on the 19th of February with the season beginning on the 28th. So you say on average, there's a 10-day gap between when it was released and when the season begins. So if the season begins on the 20th of March, I'm going to guess it's going to drop the Friday, the week before, which would be 13, 12. I'm going to guess it'll be March, Friday, March 11th. Okay, there you go. Are we going to do like we did last year, have like our, our reaction and, and binge it? Because I mean, remember that was like our thing last year. We we went and binged yep. the entire season, like when it, when it launched uh, on, on Friday. We basically did a marathon, watched it all, and then sat down on Sunday night to, to do our, our reaction to it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that's so- a really good um, good good guess. So guess. Friday, March 11th. Yep. So I mean, basically three and a half weeks from now. Or four I had a lot now. of fun with that episode, and it was very much in the vein of what Bill Simmons and the Grantland team do, which is like instant reaction. Like you and I binged it for two days. I don't know if that the podcast numbers were huge for that one, but I, in hindsight, in reflection, I think it's because we dropped that episode before most people had sat through the season and mm. they didn't want to hear our reaction because it would have been a spoiler for them. So I still think we do it this year, but I'm going to hedge my expectations a little bit just around what the numbers would be. Okay. But I thought it was one of the funner episodes that we did. Totally. So we're going to give you guys an extra week to binge it so (laughs) we watched it like in a day over the course of a day or a day and a half and then recorded the podcast right away like can i tell you a secret sure go ahead i didn't watch the last episode when we did that show (laughs) i never actually finished the series so when you were talking about the final episode i'm like whatever you say my friend whatever you say i didn't get through all 10 episodes there you go. You, you pull back the curtain and see what the Wizard of Oz yep. really looks like. Uh, there you go. Okay, cool. So Friday, March 11th. Well, we should put some money down on that or or not. No, I'm a terrible gambler. I, I'm just throwing money away there. Okay, so uh, next story. So F1 is going to move away from the knee gesture ceremony in 2022. This uh, started a couple of uh, years ago, the whole uh, we, uh, we race of one thing to, to focus on positive action. And uh, it's really become a bit of, I wouldn't say a tradition, but something Thing that uh, that they've really held uh, to over the past uh, couple of years, so um, they've uh, decided to, to move away from that. So there are you know they they've had this specific time in the pre race uh, build up for the drivers to take a knee or make any other uh, gesture on whatever cause that they wanted to. So they're going to still continue a We Races One video before every race, and the branding is going to stay at all the tracks, etc. cetera. Uh, but the set time has now been uh, dropped. So drivers will still be able to um, do any kind of gesture that they want. And just to clarify, F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali told Sky F1, quote, we have, uh, we have to not... Sorry, let's say that again. Quote, we have to not have to do politics. 
Okay, that's confusing, but I think now it's a matter from gesture to action. Now uh, the action is the focus on diversity of our community, and this is the first step. I think that the gesture has already been important for the ones that believed and that it was an important gesture. We need to respect everyone as always, but now is the time to move on and take some other action, end quote. So, yes, um, I, I, I totally agree that, you know, Empty gestures, not that this was an empty gesture, but I just in general, empty gestures don't mean anything. But I I think the key thing is the tone here and what Domenicali is saying that it's time to move on from gestures and actually do something about it. So, you know, put your money where your mouth is. You know, they, they've talked about, um, you know, um, investing into STEM uh, programs and things like that and try and diversify and broaden, um, you know, the demographics involved in Formula One, the people involved in Formula One. So I wouldn't say I'm skeptical, but, you know, it's one thing to say we're moving away from, from uh, you know, just just, you know, basically putting a show on, we want something to come of it. So prove it to us, right? Yeah. I have to be very cautious when I talk about this, because this is a subject that I, I'm very passionate about. And I, I say this, and again, the frame of reference, the context here is really important. I am literally a white middle-aged dude sitting in North America that grew up in the UK, a country that pillaged wealth from the rest of the globe for <laughs> centuries. Like yeah, I've had true. certain privileges my entire life, built-in privileges just by the nature of who I am and where I was born. So I have to be cautious when I talk about this subject, but mm -hmm. I think even for me, I think what this gesture became, and I think when you talk about it in isolation, it's it's a symbol and, and it's a symbol that there's some degree of unity within the sport that recognizes there needs to be changed because even me being a white dude sitting in a principally white suburb in a North American country, like even I recognize that F1 is arguably the whitest and most upper middle class of all the sports, possibly mm -hmm. even more so than golf. Like you see it in the paddock, you see it in the teams, you see it in the drivers. The sport's never been necessarily accessible for anyone from any other gender or from any other race, which is horribly unfortunate. But I think you nailed something here, which is if the symbol, if the gesture allowed the sport to have a conversation about just how bad it was in mm -hmm. terms of not being inclusive and there is meaningful change, that's a good thing. So we've seen the Hamilton commission, but I don't think that's a byproduct of the fact that there was a We Races One initiative. That was just more Lewis Hamilton leading the charge on much needed reflection on the sport. Right. Um, and there's been a few other things, but I, I like your comment about put your money where your mouth is. And I think F1's now acknowledged that, hey, there's more that we need to do to improve racial diversity, to improve cultural diversity, certainly to improve gender diversity, but I still don't believe they've done enough. And again, they've done some STEM stuff, there've been some token gestures, but there was this powerful symbol that largely got obscured because we don't even see it as part of the broadcast anymore. I think there's much, much, much more Formula One and... I'm not going to let the FIA off the hook here that the FIA needs to do because the sport isn't as inclusive as it should be. Mm -hmm. Is it moving the right direction? A little bit. Is it moving quickly enough? I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, you know, I think that's great. You know, like what what Seb did last year in Saudi Arabia, where he hosted on yes. his own dime yes. that 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 uh, that event with some uh, female, like Saudi female drivers at this Love karting it. track. Perfect example. So you know, he can uh, get to know these people and find out from them personally the issues and the problems and the challenges that that, that they're faced with, rather than having to come via a third party or maybe be you know do his own research to maybe some untrustworthy source and get completely the wrong message. So I thought it was great great for him to to take that initiative upon himself and and, and build some positive uh, relationships and, and and hopefully something you know comes of that right so um just to, with that that's go ahead, seb, though and i, I just I'm just yeah. going to interject that's seb and i love i'm so glad you brought that story up to, because to me that was one of the the many highlights of seb's season last year was he taking the initiative to do yep. these things himself why wasn't that the FIA why wasn't that Formula One? Why wasn't it at the FIA and the Formula One saying, hey, we're going to establish a karting school for women in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia yep. to promote this on a permanent, sustainable basis? Why did it have to be one driver that went out and did that? Yep. But anyway, sorry, I regress. I'll well, you, you know, on. maybe they will take it when they see guys like Lewis and guys like Seb doing their own thing and just kind of leading the charge yeah. and trying to do something with their own time, their own money, their their own efforts. Maybe they, they're, they're going to... Uh, hopefully eventually realize that you know if this is what people who within our sport are doing we should be doing that too we should be the ones that have more uh resources and and we should be uh, pushing it further because i was just looking up here so one of the things that they've been doing is the formula one engineering scholarship which they launched in 2021 it was a one million dollar donation from non-executive chairman chase carey that's been extended to 25 uh so far the program has supported 10 students covering their tuition the living costs uh the, and every, everything for their engineering degree which i think is uh, th that's great i mean it's uh, it's it's a drop in the bucket of course but it's a start and hopefully from there you know, it has a further reach and a more positive uh, impact. So they've got a wider range of diversity and inclusion initiatives. And Formula One is also partnering with the Black Collective Media in, in Sport, BCOMS, as well as the Blair Project. So like I say, drop in a bucket, but it's a, a good start and hopefully uh, more will come of it. Okay, so... Um Okay, so now that's the same one. Moving along, which one is this? Is this Hass again? Uh, oh, okay, this is uh, interesting. Okay, um, I thought uh, I'd misorganized uh, my, my notes here. I thought I was going back to the livery reveal for, for Hass. But okay, so they've said that there's going to be no change in or no dramatic change with their uh, Ferrari relationship uh, beside a new Marinello uh, office. And every time I read a quote from Gunther Steiner, it's probably because I've watched DTS way too many times over the past <laughs> couple of years. Every time I read a quote from Gunther Steiner, and y'all do it as well, you hear his voice in your head when you do it. Anyways, just put it there. Anyways, uh, team principal that has Gunther Steiner says that uh, their relationship with Ferrari is not going to change, uh, despite that they um, have an office in Maranello now, and they've got a secondment of some of Ferrari's uh, um workers and uh, employees so they have uh what they call a Haas hub in uh, Marinello which the uh, the the new Haas VF22 was uh, designed by a team of um people including ex Ferrari senior designer Simone Resta now this is uh, interesting but i i think it's kind of cool i mean 
I like you, I kind of hate the idea of the satellite B junior team and stuff like that. But, you know, if you have a partnership with a team like Mercedes or Ferrari and you have access to like that, those resources, then why not? As long as that you don't get that sort of what do you want to say? Almost political baggage, the expectations that, hey, we're going to toss you this nice, juicy carrot by letting you set up shop in our factory and have access to everything in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory that uh, that when it comes time for us to do whatever, either you know, park one of our drivers in Formula One who needs some experience before we bring them to the Scuderia, but we need them to mature and get experience in you know a, a team that's not as good as ours or is uh, potentially competitive as ours for a couple of years, we're going to come and beat on your door and we're going to put our driver in your car and we don't care what you say or whatever the situation uh, might be. But I think um, it, it's it's interesting. Anyways, uh, Gunther had the following to say, quote, the relationship I wouldn't say has changed dramatically. We've always had a good relationship. The relationship is also regulated by the FIA's rules. You cannot do more just because we are sitting in Maranello. It was convenient. There were offices available because of the budget cap coming in, and Ferrari had already planned the buildings. We took advantage that there was office space available, and we have about 30 to 35 people from Ferrari, which moved over to us because of the budget cap in F1. In F1. But the relationship, the collaboration hasn't changed for better or worse. It's very much the same. It's just that we are now sitting inside Marinello with a large group of people. We've always had people in the wind tunnel office because we've got two offices now in Marinello, one in the wind tunnel and one where the designers and the aerodynamicists are in the week. But when the wind tunnel session, we always had an office that our people could sit down in and not have to stand around in just the control room of the wind tunnel, end quote. And that, that's a story from autosport.com. Go check it out. There's more of it. But, you know, the, the key takeaway for me is like the second or third sentence in that statement or that uh, that little comment from from Gun through there. And he says, we took advantage that there were uh, there was office space available and we have 30 to 35 people from Ferrari, which moved over to us because of the budget cap in F1. And you and I talked about this several times last year, what with the budget cap coming in? And we wondered if this might be a scenario that people, talented people, brilliant people, in fact, might not be able to be kept at a team like Mercedes or a team like Red Bull or a team like Ferrari. And there might be that sort of spin-off uh, benefit for one of their customer teams, one of their partner teams, whatever you want to call them. And I think this is a, a case in point. And now the $64,000 question is, okay, uh, Haas is obviously leveraging it, this situation. They're taking advantage of it. What is the benefit going to be? How is this going to turn around in the design and the build of their new car? And how is it going to translate into speed? And how is this going to translate into the new car? I, I'm I'm blown away by this statement. I think it says a lot more than than the, just those couple sentences. It's exactly what you and I were predicting a year ago, right? When we started getting into the nuts and bolts of the cost cap, we both identified that there were going to be certain teams that were going to need to shed headcount to make this work because exactly again, that your technical, yeah, your technical personnel count towards that cost cap. Now your top three executives don't, and your drivers don't, but your, your, your 
FTE, your full-time equivalent staff do. So I think this was a great move for Ferrari. They can keep them on the campus. They can keep them close. There's some some degree of knowledge transfer I'm sure is going to continue to happen. I think this is a good move for Haas. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what this year looks like because we know they wrote off last year, right? The car they brought for 2021 was an absolute... I would say spinning image of the car they rolled out for 2020, which itself was terrible. <laughs> but I think one of the things that we should talk about real quick, and I'll make this super fast without getting super technical, is that every single component in a Formula One car has a classification. So I, I won't go into all of these now, but I promise to do it in the future. I'll give you an example. There are certain components in a car that are considered or classified by the FIA as standard supply components. So those are parts that you don't get to build yourself. These include wheels, wheel rims, tires, fuel flow meters, biometric gloves. In this case, the FIA goes to every single team and says, look, your wheels, you have to buy them and you have to buy these exact wheels from this exact company, which is BBS. There are other components that teams are mandated to build themselves. Now, there's another list of parts called transferable components. And transferable components are the parts you're allowed to buy from another team. Mm -hmm. Now, since they have joined Formula One in 2016, Haas has always maximized the number of parts they're allowed to buy from Ferrari, meaning that if there's a part that they're allowed to buy from Ferrari, they do. They buy more transferable parts than any other team. Now, we talked earlier in the podcast. We know Aston Martin, for instance, they buy the power unit in the gearbox and the rear suspension from Mercedes. We know Williams buys the power unit and the gearbox from Mercedes. But Haas buys the following from Ferrari, the rear impact structure, the gearbox carrier, the gearbox cassette, clutch, clutch activation system, clutch shaft, gearbox internals, auxiliary gearbox components, inboard front suspension, front suspension members, front upright assembly, front axles, inboard rear assembly, or inboard rear suspension, rear suspension members, and on and on and on. In essence, I believe, to the best of my knowledge, they buy everything from Ferrari. So their car is going to be very similar to what Ferrari rolls out. Now, the exception, of course, is going to be the chassis. They have to develop that themselves mm -hmm. so that they yeah. I believe buy it from Delara. But the car functionally will be very, very similar. So obviously, they were a million miles off the pace last year. I'm going to be very curious to see what they do this year, given the fact that they buy all those transferable parts. And because the formula is much more tightly defined, meaning that engineers can't draw wildly diverging conclusions. And then also the fact that you've inherited all of this headcount and expertise from Ferrari. It's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, too, I mean, the uh, new season, new car, new everything. I know you got uh, two drivers that have uh, a year Formula One under their belt, uh, two very young drivers, uh, you know, and uh, Nikita Mazepin and, uh, and Mick Schumacher. I'm really curious to see uh, how Mick's going to do, um, you know, this year. I mean, <laughs> There, there's that big name that he has to live up to. And, you know, last year was it was a tough start for, for both of them in their Formula One careers and obviously not made better due to the fact, uh, like, like you so nicely put it, that they basically rolled out the same car from the year before, which wasn't a great car to begin with. So they must uh, be uh, very excited to to get that, uh, and I, you know, I'd love to see Mick uh, succeed and and uh, do well in Formula One. How old is he now? Has he hit twenty yet? Twenty one? Not sure. I have to check that one uh, out. Anyway, so uh, let's take another quick uh, timeout. We'll be back in a moment, and we're going to Miami. Well, not figure 
know, literally, but we will kind of. Uh, Danny Sel- uh, Sullivan, Formula, former Formula One driver and Indy 500 winner, has some comments about the new track there at uh, Miami, and uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. And yes, it would not be a podcast episode of Scuderia F1 if we did not talk about the Miami Grand Prix. Are we excited about this or what? (laughs) You know, I mean, the thing is, it's just getting that vibe. It's going to be kind of like, one of these sort of showpiece races, kind of like Monaco, but it's 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 closer to home. It's a, a city that we're all familiar with in in North America. Miami has its own you know unique vibe, and you know is a destination for so many people. I mean, it's a wonderful climate, and the track is well, maybe not the greatest NFL team, but you know, <laughs> it it looks like it's going to be a really cool uh, track when they get uh, up and running. Really looking forward for for this race uh, getting underway, and just. Uh, I was going to say next year, but it's really literally only a couple of months from now. Anyways, former Tyrrell Formula One driver and Indy 500 uh, winner Danny Sullivan said that the new Miami International Autodrome track will be a great layout for its inaugural Grand Prix in May of this year. He's also the 1988 kart champion, scored his only points in Formula One. This is a great tie-in to to what I just said. So Danny got his only points in uh, F1 at the 1983 Monaco Grand Prix. Said he's going to go and visit the track in Miami uh, very soon, but um, he said what uh, he's seen so far, he really likes it. His uh, um, complete quote is as follows, quote, I've been there twice when it was uh, pretty basic, but I'm going to drive it next week when it's ready. What I'm told is that uh, they made a really good job of the track. On paper, it looks a great layout, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, it does look great when you look um, around like the Hard Rock Stadium, the way that they've uh, incorporated the pit lane into the back of uh, backside of the stadium. And the way that the track kind of weaves around the whole complex there, wonderful uh, sweeping set of corners that look very Coda-esque in my mind. Very long straightaway at the back before going into a hairpin and then another sweeping turn to come back into start finish. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Danny, obviously a very, very well-known uh, racing driver, obviously did the job at uh, a very, very high level for a very, very long time. And uh, I'm stoked. I, I'm uh, curious to see what his feedback will be. And more importantly, I'm hoping that this one lives up to the hype when the cars get there in a couple of months. And uh, we, we don't, I, I mean, it's 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 obviously not as, um, it doesn't have the potential to be a flashpoint like Saudi Arabia was. I think that there's not so many risks in the design of this track. But uh, still, when you, when you have a new facility, there's always some bugs that uh, that need to be ironed out. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to, to see how the, the, the initial shakedowns go for this track. For a track that was engineered into the parking lot of an NFL stadium, it actually looks pretty good. It's a five-kilometer or 3.36-mile, 19-turn track. It, You're right. Like Some of the flowing S's are definitely very much reminiscent of the first sector at, at Coda, but some of this, to me, also resembles my 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 favorite track yas like there's some things about this track that looks good there's, mm-hmm. there's obviously going to be no elevation change but i think it's going to be a very very cool track it's mm-hmm. not ultra it's not ultra ultra technical it's not going to 
be as fast as Jeddah. It's going to be somewhere in between. There is going to be at least one sector that will be ridiculously quick. And especially with the DRS systems wide open will be pretty remarkable to see. But I think this is going to be pretty cool. And it really just reinforces what uh, Liberty's grand ambition has been ever since they bought formula one which is to improve the footprint of the sport in the united states and this is designed to be not only their crown jewel of the united states but mm -hmm. i think very much they want this to be the crown jewel of the entire championship and what's really remarkable man is i'm looking at the clock now I think this race is expected to run on May 8th. We yeah. are now less than 90 days away from this event. It's remarkable how quickly this came together because it was yeah. only a couple of years ago that you and I were talking about the expectations that, hey, they're going to try to put something together as a street course in downtown Miami on the waterfront. And then that fell apart. And then Stephen Ross and the organizing committee said, hey, we're going to do something in Miami Gardens around the stadium. And there was tons of local opposition. And yep. The thought was, this is never going to get off the ground. This is going to be one of those phantom races that people talk about. They sign a contract. And it never it happens. Fades away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like New York, for instance. In New exactly. Jersey, this is this is real. It's going to happen. This article that you reference uh, on motorsport.com, it speaks to the fact that they're putting down that third layer of tarmac. Then it's really just about getting the safety barriers up, getting the grandstands in, bringing all the hospitality together, mm -hmm. getting some tracks out there, getting the FIA in to accredit it. Pretty remarkable how quickly they were able to stand this up together. Yeah. And to me, this isn't a temporary circuit. It looks and feels much more like a permanent circuit. You know, I, I'm not going to throw shade at how they uh, they do things in Saudi and the state of like the the construction industry there. But what what I know is that the the the, the way the construction industry in North America is, and the way that it operates oh. is is miles ahead. You know, here we are months ahead of the of the race here, and we're getting the initial shakedowns of the track in, in about a week week to 10 days or 14 days time should there be any issues i mean there's going to be months to rectify and iron out any bugs i mean it was a bit of a running joke on this podcast uh, before christmas that hey is this whole saudi thing going to happen i mean they're literally going to pull away from start finish on sunday afternoon and they're going to have wet paint on their tires because they just went out and painted all the curbs i mean that's how close it was uh to, to get that facility uh, finished i mean credit to them they they did i mean the the, the criticisms of the track were the criticisms of the track layout itself rather than the facilities that you know things weren't uh, weren't ready i mean it, it was it was a you know it was a pretty fine you know line between where they were and when, when the when, when they needed that track to be delivered for official handover and stuff like that but still anyways i wanted to go back and address some comments uh, that you said that this isn't going to be an overly technical track and yes and no i'm looking at the at the layout now and the the one part that um, that that really has piqued my curiosity is about two thirds of the way through the track and this is a, the section of track that goes from the turn 11 up to 16 so yeah. you go through uh, start finish you're going to hit uh, a right hander into uh, a turn 190 degrees then you're going to get some uh, some short snappy corners and some longer sweeping ones they're going to bring you around that first third, first half of a lap. You're going to hit turn 11, which to me looks to be about 100, maybe 110 degree turn to the left. So you're going to come out of that very, very fast uh, seg uh, segment or section of the track, starting at turn eight. You're going to wind your way through real snap to the left or sorry, to the right for turn nine. You're going to uh, pull it back to the, the gradually to the left for turn 10. 
you're they're going to build up a full head of speed. I wouldn't be surprised they're hitting 200 miles per per hour plus coming into turn 11. Then it gets very compact. Not only are you going to get this 100 degree turn to the left, then you're going to be going very, very short into turn 12, which isn't really a turn. It's more of a curve, a big arc. Then you got another almost 90 degree turn at uh, turn 13, another very short run up to turn 14, which is an, another 90 degree corner, which takes you, <laughs> I got to catch my breath here, another 90 degree corner, turn 15, another short run up into turn 16, which is another 90 degree corner. And then you're going to get that awesome long run down the back straight there into another very sharp corner and then into the complex into turn 18 and 19. But yeah, that's that segment uh, between turns 11 and 16, that's going to be kind of cool. That's going to compress the field uh, and it could make it very interesting if we have one of these uh, situations that maybe some one of these cars is better on the faster sections of track and, uh, you know, say the Red Bull and maybe the Mercedes is better set up to go through these twisty sections. It could make that, you know, this race potentially very, very interesting. This probably makes for terrible radio as you and I are sitting here describing the layout of the track. Most <laughs> exactly. listeners have never seen Guys, before. check it but out. <laughs> I, I would just say that the one thing I don't like about this track, and you were describing the sector exactly, is I would just smooth out 14, 15, kill those two corners. Yeah. Because I, I think you're right. Like, if anything, it's going to be good to compress the pack a little bit. But I feel like we're, I feel like F1's going through this revolution and we're kind of taking those tight, super technical, sharp, slow corners out of the championship. For me, I'd smooth out 14 and 15. But other than that, I think the track looks good. And yeah. for everybody that keeps asking us if we're going to be in Miami, we would love to be in Miami. If you would like to find a way to get us there, we are all ears. But <laughs> as it stands right now, we won't be in Miami, unfortunately. As much as I think we'd love to come on this podcast and play the Will the Will Smith 1997 single, um, it's probably not going to happen. But uh, again, Maybe if you Will can make can it happen... Up. Slide us a DM. <laughs> exactly. Will Smith, if you're li- listening, slide it to our yeah. DMs. Anyways, uh, yeah, I wonder uh, if, uh, you know, beat at uh, the Hard Rock Stadium, whether or not they'll uh, drag out some of the, uh, you know, Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, alumni, some of the legends like Sticky, Icky, Ricky Williams. I'm just kidding about Ricky Williams, but that's certainly Dan Marino would have to be one. Whoever thought there would be a Ricky Williams reference on this podcast? Anyways, time to cut losses. Time for a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment, so don't go away. All right, welcome back to the show. Still a couple of uh, stories to run down before we dim the lights and go home. Well, we're already home in our respective homes. Hey, it's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm glad as much as I was uh, giving you a hard time off the top of the show here. I'm excited that uh, you're back in the studio. And you were teasing me earlier that say now that we're back and uh, all right, I'm back in the studio, we got to sit down in the same room and, and in, in the studio and record a show together. You know, I, I, I can't wait. I'd love to do it and, uh, you know, act, actually sit in the same studio, you know, like like, like right across from each other as, as much as I enjoy like the, you know, doing the, because I mean, doing it this way gives us the opportunity to live stream and everything like that. But there's nothing like sitting down in the same room and, uh, you know, just to feed off of the energy. Anyways, talking about um, some other things, ex free boss uh, Mariachi joins Aston Martin as their new CCO and Marco Mar- uh, Mariachi has joined... Aston Martin as its new global chief brand and commercial officer. 
very interesting. Again, this just uh, goes to show the the kind of investments, the 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 effort that Lauren Stroll is putting into everything Aston Martin at uh, at the moment. His commitment, uh, both on and off the track, uh, to make this. Uh, I, I mean, it's always been a top luxury brand, but Lawrence is obviously trying to take it uh, that much um, uh, further. Anyways, uh, Mariachi had the the following to say: "Quote the new chapter for Aston Martin is the most exciting." project in the automotive industry right now and I am thrilled to join the incredible leadership team assembled by Lawrence Stroll and Tobias Moores in the role as global chief brand and commercial officer. Having enjoyed a global affection, passion and loyalty for 109 years, Aston Martin is now igniting a new breed of customers with its next generation of product, ultra luxury customer experience and return to Grand Prix racing. Working as part of a skilled and passionate team, I look forward to being the custodian of this iconic brand which sits uniquely in the crosshairs of ultra luxury and high performance. End quote. There you go. Well, you know, just hearing words like ultra luxury combined in the same sentence just quashed any hope that one of these days I'm going to pull up outside your house and honk the horn of my brand new Aston Martin. I mean, it might, well, no, it's not going to happen. So I'm not going to tease myself, but you know, just uh, joking aside, Again, like I said just now, it is uh, another indication of uh, how committed uh, Stroll is to this whole whole project. And I think that if you're an investor in Aston Martin right now, or just an aficionado, or one of the lucky people that uh, that, that can afford to drive one of these amazing cars and own one, I think it's a it's an exciting exciting time. When Lawrence Stroll was interviewed on the Beyond the Grid podcast last. I keep- keep forgetting it. We're 2022. But when he was interviewed on that podcast last year, he was humble enough to admit that, Hey, look, I've, I've created some very successful businesses. And I like the fact that he said, part of the reason I've been able to create these really successful businesses is partly because of luck, but also because I surround myself with really great, talented people. And yeah, I think that's 100%. absolutely what he's doing with Aston Martin. We're talking about the road car division. We're talking about the F1 team. He's sparing no expense in recruiting and bringing in established, very successful people. He's not trying to micromanage this operation. He's bringing in the best possible people to execute his vision and, and implement their expertise. So I have every reason to think that both are going to be very successful. And the other comment that I took away from this too is, and you heard Lawrence talk about this earlier today at the F1 car unveil, he still sees this as a five-year runway that they hope to be competing for world championships in five years. Now, deep down, I think both you and I would be very disappointed if they weren't contending for world championships Mm -hmm. maybe next year or the year after. But I think he's got a very, very, very conservative, reasonable projection for the for the long-term success of this project. Even and in like a five-year time frame, pardon me, is is ambitious. I, 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 I like the fact, though, that this is a billionaire coming in who has been very successful, but isn't expecting to necessarily turn this entire thing around on a dime sure. and to compete for sales with the bigger marquees like the Porsche, the Mercedes, the Lamborghini, uh, the Maserati, the Ferrari. But he knows that this is a project and is going to take time. But he's also very smart because he's also manipulating the markets, because I think sometimes if you go in and you're very, very self-promotional and you promise big things and you can't imme- 
immediately deliver that, Wall Street crushes you and your stock gets absolutely hammered and you scare away investors. So I think he's also doing the right thing, which is just cautioning people saying, hey, this is a big project. Mm -hmm. I'm in it for the long term. I'm super competitive. And that should encourage investors to come on board because they know there's a vision and there's a plan. Yeah, totally. It's uh, it's like I say. I think it's an exciting time for that uh, entire company from 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 front to back. Oh, uh, here uh, just uh, another indication of how uh, disorganized I am uh, tonight. Uh, just uh, some more information on the uh, the Formula One uh, funding for their engineering scholarship. So, like I said, it's being extended to twenty five. Uh, they've invested um, a one well, it was a one million dollar donation from Chase Carey to get the thing going. So they've uh, successfully uh, supported ten students, and they'll continue to do so with 10 more students each year. Um, so that's uh, tuition, living expenses for the full dur uh, duration of uh, their degree. So uh, like I said, uh, 10 more students per year from 2022 to 2025 uh, inclusive. Uh, one more quote uh, from uh, Stefano Domenicali was uh, the following quote, we are committed to increasing diversity and opportunity within this incredible sport. And I am pleased to confirm that we will be expanding our program for scholars until 2025, providing fantastic opportunity from for some incredibly talented student to begin their journeys with Formula One. Uh, we want to continue to ensure that the talent from uh, underrepresented groups has meaningful opportunities. With the first 10 scholars already beginning their studies following Chase's incredible donation to fund the scholars in their first year, we want uh, to continue and build on the foundations of this program in the years ahead, end quote. There you go. Pretty cool. Okay, now this last story, as we, um, we we prepare to wrap it up here, I think has got to be the the, the best one uh, that I've seen in a long time. So Christian Horner, I mean, he can be a bit of a, a Bond villain, depending on uh, who you are. Definitely no <laughs> loss, you know, between him and and, and Total Wolf. Uh, anyways, this was a, a bit uh, cheeky. He tried to get a sneak peek at uh, Mercedes' uh, new W13, uh, and he did so. He had um, so Social media in an uproar, uh, you know, with 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 laughter, I should say, after he made a winning bid at the Autosports Awards uh, for a tour of the the Mercedes uh, factory. So, anyways, he started initially bidding uh, with a, at the three thousand pounds under the name Chrysian Horner. So a bit of a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit of a, I, I guess, a strategic move to, you know, I, I'm Christian Horner, but not really. So just change a letter or two here in my name just to throw people off. Anyways, he upped it to, to 4,000 pounds uh, to be safe. Uh, that was the, the winning bid. And then uh, he said he would uh, take uh, up to 20 of his Red Bull uh, colleagues uh, with him. Uh, it says, uh, well, it, it's not going to come off because apparently uh, there's uh, something in the, in the fine print that uh, that is going to prevent him uh, from doing it and that uh, the fine print it says quote employees of other formula one teams are not eligible to take this tour end quote but anyways uh, mercedes uh you know fair play to them you know i i, th I think i i love the humor in this you know what, what's four grand to to christian horner i mean it's uh it, it's pocket change you know you know what i'd love to see is that they take this money and and donate it to um you know some sort of uh you know worthy cause anyways um the mercedes said they, they haven't really uh you know said that they they won't 
But uh, they may actually make an exception. And uh, a Mercedes uh, spokesperson told the Sun newspaper, quote, we haven't discussed it yet. To do so, we'd have to waive the terms and condition under which it was offered. Always pays to read the f- small print, end quote. So anyways, um, anyways, it, it was, uh, well, well, here we go. I should uh, read all the notes. So uh, the bid uh, helped raise almost 50,000 pounds for the Grand Prix Trust at the Autosports Award on Sunday. And it's a charity that offers uh, support to the F1 community, including ex-drivers and employees. So there you go. All, all in good fun, good humor. And, and, and yeah, I, I couldn't help but laugh when I saw that. I thought it was, I, I thought it was really funny. That's such a great story. And I've never heard Christian Horner referred to as a Bond villain, but boy, I love that. <laughs> and I will be I will be stealing that at every possible opportunity. I think that was maybe the last story, but I just wanted to give a shout out to our, our friend of the show, Magnus, who of course is the founder and the publisher of Race Weekend Magazine. He is a huge Philadelphia 76ers fan. And I think the last four or five months has been agonizing for him as team superstar Ben Simmons has been sitting out. Ben Simmons, of course, was traded today to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden, who actually himself demanded a trade from the Houston Rockets not more than a year ago. So uh, so a big swap there. I think Magnus will be very, very, very happy about that. And just in baseball news, I don't know if you follow baseball, but today it was announced that the National League will be adopting the designated hitter oh. national league will be adopting the designated hitter starting next year which is crazy so it's really the one line of delineation mm-hmm. between the two leagues is now gone so yeah. the designated hitter will be joining and one of our listeners and i apologize i can't remember who it was but they made this great comment about maybe this is the opportunity that albert pujols needs to come back to the st louis Cardinals. <laughs> his career. But i thought funny. that was a really interesting comment yeah that is just one of those uh, distinctions that really uh you know marks the difference between the american league and the national league but uh, i guess if it's a good idea that uh, eventually it'll catch on uh, in other places as well. But uh, hey, on that note, I think we've had a little bit of everything. Bond villains, baseball talk, basketball talk, a sprinkling of Formula One talk in there as well. So we really have uh, covered it all uh, tonight. Oh, one more, one thing I want to give okay. a shout out. So I, I know we've got to shut the doors, turn off the lights, t- turn on the alarm, but we had a great post a great great tweet at us yesterday from don pista at skidaria f1 pod you have a new fan i listened to my first episode today and before i knew it i was five episodes deep wow thank you guys for the great content and information look forward to future episodes i actually reached out to don just to say thank you so much and his comment was and i found the pod amazing i've listened to a couple of f1 themed podcasts but they all get boring after a couple of minutes but you guys have that great chemistry that keep listeners like me entertained i look forward to the upcoming episode. So Don, thank you very thank you much. So much. It makes us feel really great when people reach out and give us that type of feedback. That's awesome. I love it. And I, I love the commitment to not only stick it through one episode, but uh, <laughs> do multiple episodes at one time. That is that that is awesome. I love it. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for being part of the community and listening to us. And uh, for those of you like Rocky, who is, uh, you know, sitting through the live stream once again on uh, YouTube, uh, it, it, it's good fun uh, to, to sit down every week and, you know, twice a week during the season and uh, and talk Formula One and also share a laugh or a laugh or two. Anyways, if you want to get in touch like Don did, uh, by all means, uh, send us a tweet at ScooteryF1Pod. Send us an email at ScooteryF1Pod at gmail.com. 
And that's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the the car reveals over the next uh, couple of days. We're going to get a whole whack of them uh, over the next uh, week or so. And that's it. On behalf of myself and Mr. Mark Hamilton, have a great weekend. And we'll talk again soon. Bye for now.